Tech Thong Earthlets. My name is Conrad alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 96th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for March and April 1983, progs 309 to 312. This week... The Starborn Thing arrives in Mega City One. Skiz gets to know Birmingham. Fort Nero concludes, and the Chrono Cops enforce Time Law. Just the facts. Like a lot, though. A lot of time copping. It's a fair amount of like time copping this month. It's just, just it's true facts. <laughs> I mean, I guess once you do enough time twisters, time. I mean, time police tend to be the most interesting part of time. Yeah, I mean, well, let's let's talk about it. <laughs> let's get there. <laughs> Gonna get me in a in a diversion about uh, about time police forces, but uh, <laughs> you son of a bitch, make me talk about sci fi things. But <laughs> let's get, speaking of sci speaking of sci fi things, I suppose let's go to through one skiz, and once again. The comic shows its colors and really likes to just kind of force down your throat. Pollution, bad, right? Nuclear energy, bad. Like they're bad things. Yeah, you're doing bad things. I mean, that's true. I love the opening for this though because it's it's just text bubbles and it says, uh, "I am Interpreter Zix of the Tau Ceti Imperium, and I'm not afraid." He repeats it over and over to himself, but it's because he's in fact terrified. That was my, I actually <laughs> laughed when I. I yeah. that. He is Interpreter Zex of Tau Ceti Imperium. He is terrified. <laughs> <laughs> so... Zix finds himself on the outskirts of Birmingham, England, an industrial and heavy and heavily polluted land full of smokestacks, nuclear cooling towers, and electrical lines. Yeah, Birmingham seems uh, like a really not great place. Like four nuclear power plants next to a coal-burning plant next to a giant power station. It's definitely, it's definitely a pretty like dire industrial setting for sure. Um, That's true. I'm going to ask some British people about this. I mean, I feel like it might be, <laughs> like, <laughs> or I mean, not like specific to, Bur- to to Birmingham, but like, you know, I feel like there's this big sense of like, just sort of this, um, like, pollution and economic downturn thing, especially in the 80s, but kind of generally in England, like, I don't know, like, you know, <laughs> well, but, like, there's this, all this industrial stuff, like, I don't know, I hear stuff about, like, uh, like fogs during the 1800s that were, like, corrosive or something like that, you know, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that, I mean, you know, no worse than, than what happens in America, I don't want to, like, I'm not throwing stones at, from a glass house here, like, all pollution's pretty terrible, but also, I mean, we should, we're going to talk more about this next week when we get to know some of the other characters. But, um, like, a lot, like, Skiz draws a lot from um, English stuff at the time, especially there's this show, um, The Boys from the Black Stuff, I think, which I believe it's called, which is this show that's about sort of, um, like, these unemployed guys sort of living a hard life in sort of early 80s England um, that sort of, that a lot of people think is very, um, like skiz draws from eat from that as much as it draws from et for instance so I'm woke as fuck so you know it's just sort of like this is a little kind of interesting thing of a way more of a slice of life of like england maybe that in in the 80s than um you know our other sci-fi things that we've seen in the course of this whatever all right i i guess for me i'm just saying that let's let's not build four nuclear power plants next to each other those cooling towers are huge yeah i mean listen it's it's a hard it's hard times out there any but anyhow um skiz makes his way into or zix i should say makes his way into town past giant factories into streets full of advertisements both the art and the writing like the narration here do a really great job making like the city feel real uh, claustrophobic and Mm. terrifying 
on the street, Zick sees a gang of like skinheads and a gang of punks starting to argue and eventually fighting. Getting which, real drunk. Yeah, they're just going. They're, they're going ape, and it really, it really like freaks him out. Just because I guess in his advanced planet, nobody, you know, there's no like physical violence or anything. So this is really like, oh my god, these people are so primitive and like terrifying, you know. Yeah, and he makes he makes a point of saying like, "Oh God, they're apes." They're yeah, they're apes. That's weird. <laughs> That's also true. Um, so, so he he runs off into the night. The sound and the light uh, confusing and disorienting him. Eventually, he finds making him wicked high. Yeah, he's yeah he's getting used to not just like the gravity and like the mix of gases in our atmosphere and stuff. Eventually, he finds a small shed that he hides in and seems to find a small measure of safety, but we see a pair of hands with a flashlight and a stick approaching his hiding place. Tom Tully special, oh yeah. (laughs) So, meanwhile, I guess, on the street, a teenage boy named Darren calls up to a girl named uh, Roxanne, or Roxy, I guess, whose parents are away for the fortnight, so can he come in if you take my meaning? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, but also, you know, so as the story progresses, it's like, okay, get out of here. You're not coming in. God, I wish I didn't tell my friend, who is also female, yeah. that uh, my parents are away. And I, is this, like, normal? Is it normal to, like, find out when someone's parents are gone to be just like, I want to crash at your place, but also maybe, you know, uh, I mean, I feel like that's just extra creepy, and she's treating this like, oh, I better go to sleep with a, while knowing that there's a guy outside. I think she's. She knows I'm here alone. I mean, she she tells him to sort of, you know, she basically tells him to get out of here. Uh, Roxy's got like, you know, her visually she's like kind of a like a teenager. She's got like short wild hair, um, and yeah, she will not be lending her friend Geraldine a copy, her copy of Complete Madness, because she's told everybody that her parents are out of town, and now jerks are being jerks um, out there on the street, basically. <laughs> Stop freaking me out! And, oh my God, what's that noise outside? Yeah. She goes to invest. Investigate it with a, a flat, a torch, aka a flashlight, and a and a fire poker to investigate. I'm, I'm getting English here, Fox. Um, thinking <laughs> she thinks it might be that Darren guy, but she opens the door and finds a kangaroo. <laughs> yeah, a kangaroo-like alien in a spacesuit. Flip it, heck! <laughs> oh my God, Dad! Close the door real fast, but then open it. Maybe it's a kid. Yeah, she goes to thinking that it might be. She takes his hand, and in the light, it's pretty clear this guy is not from around here. He's got three fingers. He's real weird. Uh, And I guess you've drawn some conclusions, girls. Big old tail. Yeah, you know. Um... (laughs) So, uh, so Zix is, uh, is watching World of Sport Wrestling from behind the sofa, which, from behind the sofa, which is the traditional British viewing location for scary things, I've learned. Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Shout out to our buddies, uh, Beyond the Sofa for their Doctor Who podcast and Where Eagles Dare. Um, anyhow. Oh my god. Roxy offers him a cup of coffee, but he is surprised and betrayed by how hot it is, and he spills it, <laughs> which makes Roxy super angry because he's he's made a mess on the carpet. And Skiz just interprets this as her being about to like kill and eat him, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just screams. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, but you know, she, Roxy sort of relents. She cleans up the carpet and apologizes. And the weight of the situation has seemed to really set in. Like this is real. There's really an alien in her living room, which you know, it takes some getting used to. I think we can all agree yeah. on that. I mean, yeah, it's it's her having to like uh, suddenly humanize this weird robot kangaroo. Uh, well, I like so it much so. Yeah. I love it. I, I mean, love that it's yeah. like you're going through the beat by beat moments of her kind of just like, okay, my parents are like, I'm, I'm having a dream. No, I'm not having a dream. This is really weird to like, all right, now we've got to do some basic communication. <laughs> but I like how, how, how like genre savvy quote unquote she is to be like, well, you aren't like, obviously you aren't going to kill everybody. <laughs> this is more of a peaceful close encounters of the thirst of the third kind kind of situation. Uh, so. Yeah, that's right. Like, I, so I'm sure she's a track fan. Yeah. Something. 
I mean, it's hard to say how much of someone in 82, I guess, no, I guess kids in 82 would be like from something. But anyhow, she, um, she basically does like the me, Roxy, you, whatever, <laughs> um, kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, Zix seems to pick seems to pick it up pretty quickly, uh, knowing her as a, you know as a rock Z, um, yeah. and he gives his name and removes his helmet, and we see just how crazy of an alien duty is uh, with his crazy alien face as she dubs him Skiz. I mean, I would have thought maybe like a rat creature or something. Definitely not something with like catfish like tentacles coming out of He's got he's got a lot going on. Like the you know, in in the in the 2080 annual this year they actually talk a lot about the uh the character design of Skiz and it's pretty mm-hmm. interesting, I think. Um but it's definitely got a lot of like um you know, like yeah, they they've definitely tried to sort of make him look like alien kind of, which I think is is an mm-hmm. interesting choice, you know? Like he's not just um yeah, he's not just like a regular dude or some, or, or even like a gray. He's really like this is a species yeah. that is not of this earth, you know. Grays are super boring and overplayed. FYI, <laughs> to all those to all those would be movie executives out there, please stop making gray aliens. I mean, you know, if, I, I think if you did a gray in 1982, that'd be pretty, uh, or 1983, that'd still be pretty bold, you know. <laughs> I mean, I guess. I like Bellardinelli aliens. Well, like, yeah. Big carrot like head <laughs> and a beautiful swooshy scarf. Yeah, for sure. Beautiful hair. <laughs> but so Roxy is taking care of Skiz and he seems unable to keep any food down. Um, meanwhile. Surprise. Yeah, you know, not from here, I guess. Yeah. Meanwhile, at the crash site, Skiz's ship, or at the crash site of Skiz's ship. Great. Yeah, there's a pair of government guys discussing the situation. The boss seems to be a South African man with a phonetic accent. Um, <laughs> Bring the Dobermans. Bring it in. Um, yeah, so he he calls for his Dobermans to track, to, to see, find out if there's any aliens and track them down. Um, he, you know, this is part of his evil South African procedure. Uh, dogs, detection, oh. destruction, and denials. This is possibly the best, most evil thing ever. It's good. <laughs> if you weren't sure if this guy was definitely 100% evil, now you know, because it's, it's yeah. the 4Ds. But I mean, really, like, he's super coded as evil just by making him be uh, South African, you know? Um <laughs> Really? Yeah. This is like this is the this is the uh, uh, nuance that uh, that goes over Fox's head. Yeah. Like, uh, have you seen a Lethal Weapon two? Well, okay. I mean, but not all. Hashtag not all South Africans. Dude. Yeah. Okay. I disagree with. There's a. That's one of the many hashtag not alls <laughs> that I gotta disagree with. No, but I mean, <laughs> listen. Any any South African who has moved, who has made his way into the uh, alien catching part of the government is probably not to be trusted. <laughs> that's that's my that's my first statement. <laughs> <laughs> but like at this point, especially if you're kind of a more like on the liberal side of things or something like, or on the uh, on the left wing side of things, like making a dude South African is a you know is like making someone like a German or like a Russian or something like that in, in Hollywood well, movies, where it's just like, I, oh yeah, this guy's evil. The, I'm just he's glad def- they're diversifying their portfolio, as we'll see later in this month, where they definitely don't. <laughs> Yeah, I just want to, you know, generally it's just, um, whatchamacallit, yeah, it's important to know that, like, even more than just being all, um, being generally like a jerk and stuff like that, like, the big thing about this guy Van Owen is that because of his accent and his name and things like that, he's definitely Mm -hmm. coded as being the bad guy in in this story, you know? (laughs) Well, and the fact that it's not just like, oh, he doesn't have, like, a Labrador or, like, a Beagle. Well, yeah. He's no, I mean, that... Doberman. That's definitely part of it, too. You know, but anyhow, we cut to uh, to Skiz's perspective. He's trying to eat muesli and is sick. Uh, there's some good stuff here where he's learning English. Uh, things are going wrong are termed a uh, flippin'-eck, like a flippin'-eck, flippin'-heck. Because um, apparently that, that's what Roxy shouts whenever he goes to, to puke, you know? 
Um, yeah. We also get like, you know, he's saying like a Birmingham as a Birmingham and stuff, which is a good which version. A, which he associates with Earth now. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just a good um, way of uh, how like the Brummy accent would say that, I guess. Mm. Um, meanwhile, Van Owen is using his dogs to find a scent, and they do, along with Prince, over the protests of the more conservative Mr. Aubrey. Van Owen has found a trail leading straight into the middle of Birmingham, or Birmingham, I should say. Yeah, Aubrey, what up now? I'm uh, double got an alien also if you weren't sure that this man was evil yet not only does he own dobermans but he clips their ears yep no he's a bad guy total dick move yeah uh, i mean i don't know why you're fighting with me about this but uh, i'm not fighting with you i'm, any, just, I'm yeah. just adding evidence to the pile which eventually goes right in front of the world court <laughs> anyhow um what you call yeah so that's skiz this month man it's real fun it's real good i uh i i may have sound somewhat downplayed but this is maybe my favorite thing <laughs> it's, it's like it it's super fun especially when he's you know just kind of on the run to yeah uh you know getting his elliot uh so to speak <laughs> uh, and and then um you know just very quickly uh like giving giving it enough time to kind of be like okay like here's the part where you know he has like this human friend and yeah. then applying the Okay, now we've got a pursuer. Yeah, now we've definitely. Got tension built into this, right? Yeah. No, I really love. Um, I love. Yeah, Van Owen's really evil. I really love Roxy. I think she's a great character. Just as yeah, like a, as like a realistic kind of like like female like a teenage girl kind of character. Um, yeah, it's like the exact opposite of Wolfie Smith. Yeah, it's she's really well realized. Right. <laughs> and I'm really excited to see um, next week when we get the basically the rest of the cast of characters for this thing. Um, oh, I think it's going to be real Oh, yeah. Listen, Skiz does There's a lot of, of stuff. A flying bicycle. No, not as such. But we'll get it. I mean, you know, I've got my pride, but we'll see. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> speaking, speaking of good stories, Fox... <laughs> Let's not do one of those and instead oh, go to <laughs> Thrill to Thug the Mighty. <sighs> Indeed. Uh, art robot Massimo Bellardinelli, letting robot Steve Potter, or letting robot Pete Knight and Steve Potter. Hey, yeah, look, those two there's, guys. There's one positive to this. Bellardinelli's doing art. Uh, this thing's bad. Let's go. Let's burn through it. So. I'm not going to say so it's one-armed microbe guys versus thrill sucker the suckers are the superior foe they're sucking these uh, microbes up in a very gross way that surely launched at least one vor fetish in the uh, in the early 80s england uh, the the microbes retreat and the thrill suckers are victorious they question a captured micro and learn of Tharg and plan to make them their next target. Soon they've infiltrated the nerve center, build a thrill Derek on Tharg's hand. They hit blood. <laughs> and then Tharg goes to smush them. And I, I was, and with his first prog ending, I'm just going to say I'm not super stoked about all the Nazi stuff. They're giving these thrill suckers, uh, mm -hmm. like the leaders, the sucks Fuhrers wearing an iron cross, uh, lesser thrill suckers wearing stormtrooper helmets and stuff. Um, anyhow, Though many thrill suckers die in the SWAT attack by Tharg's hand, enough survive to continue the assault on Tharg's, on Tharg's brain. Uh, suck heil, Jesus Christ. Um, it's a mad dash through Tharg's circulatory system, and they finally get to Tharg's, ba Tharg's badass brain. Uh, the Thrill Suckers manage to suck Tharg's brain and he passes out. With the source of Thrill power gone, the Thrill Suckers spread out, getting the entire 2080 offices and indeed the entire world. Everyone on Earth, that is, except for Bert, who is such a Thrill dead zone that they leave him alone. He's got to save the day, so he boils a bunch of 2080 issues and feeds them to Tharg in a big funnel. Tharg drinks the concentrated thrill power and comes awake. He purges his body of the thrill suckers and begins to save the world. Basically just makes himself big and an irresistible target to nearby thrill suckers and then travels the world. 
collecting more of them like a big thrill sucker Katamari. Then he flies into the sun, burning them all alive. Uh, whatever. Finally, he restores thrill power to the, wor- to the world by distributing 2080 worldwide. The day is saved, and it's all thanks to Bert. All right. I told you I wasn't going to say anything, and don't try and fucking make me laugh when I double down on my own hatred. This do, my, do my best. Anyhow, for now. yeah, Fuck. we know all these thrill suckers come from Zrag, so Tharg sends them oh, a, thou- a thousand Rigelian hotshots, which will keep us, oh, uh, which will keep us Tharg story free for about the next year or so. <laughs> God damn it! I fucking didn't. St- I hated this. It's stupid. It's I'm just. Sorry, I know there are probably people out there who are like, "Yay, thrill sucker and Thar comics." I'm sorry, I hate this. I like I the I, everything yeah. about it, and it's just four fucking issues. The fact five. that it's yeah, it, it was five because it was last prog too. Yeah, no, the fact that it's such a giant um, storyline is rough. Um, and like these Thar stories, I mean, listen, I like seeing the robot um, creative droids. I guess. Um, and that stuff, but man, these one I just don't. You know, these, these aren't good. There could be other things that are good in this five. You know, in this five or six week period. You know, you could have given Ballard and Ellie some other kind of like mini story. We could have done like whatever happened to this Meltdown Man character or something oh, like that. I mean, we already know they melt. <laughs> oh, son of a bitch! But um, you know, any but anything. Look, this Tharg story is not that great. Anyhow. <laughs> I see these even having like some meaning is if at the end of a fucking five issue run they're just like oh by the way like what were they trying to get Tharg and he's just like oh Nemesis is coming out like in three weeks <laughs> <Right? laughs> that's like, fair and then it's like oh like I slogged through all of this to find out hey by the way something I love is coming or a new comic or whatever nope it's just dumb nope. yep. shit and Bert did a thing and great job exactly god I hate this it's <laughs> so shit I, bad yeah super fair and speaking of uh, what m- murderous aliens from beyond the stars I guess yay <laughs> it's thrill three judge dread oh man this see we went from bad to good really really riding the roller coaster here um (laughs) script robot john wagner and alan grant is tv grover art robot cars a scare letting robot tom a frame timmy love you so this is the starborn thing it's sort of a six issue mini epic story here um Mm -hmm. yeah the hills are alive with the sound of murderous rock faces oh it gets but, real bad. Yeah, but let's wind things back a little bit. So, um, a little while ago, a UFO streaked over the sky of Mega City One and landed in the nearby Griff Mountains. It's put out a powerful magnetic field, and Magruder wants Dread to go lead a tech team to go check it out. Yeah, well, so when can he leave? Um, right away. Uh, the field is messing <laughs> with electronics, so uh, they basically take an H-Wagon as far as they can, then they switch to bikes, they ditch the bikes when one starts malfunctioning and, like, start shooting at them, basically. Yeah, I mean, base- a dude gets thrown off and it's shooting at him. Yeah, it's bad times. In the winding Hasanjo Valley, the force, I- the force of the magnetism is incredible. Yeah, it's like being in a hurricane, and then the rocky cliff sides become faces and hands, and they start attacking everybody. What the hell? Just guys getting chewed up alive inside giant stony faces and stuff. Oh, it's gross. I didn't. I didn't know this was a fear until it became a real. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you got to see things to know you don't want it. You know. Anyhow. Um, <laughs> Definitely don't want to get chewed up by a rock face. No, uh, but it, then it all suddenly fades away, although, of course, its damages did not. The team finally finds the UFO, a huge globe on stilts. Suddenly it cracks open, and a giant melty monster comes out! It's the Meltdown Man! Whoa! <laughs> it's kind of the... got a Lee Sharp pun in here or something, or a TC. Do, 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 hey, I'm ready for it. Yeah, it's like the combination of the two of the two funniest creepy pastas, where both a skeleton pop, where both something pops out and something melts. But um, <laughs> anyhow, the giant melty monster emerges. It yells a bunch and then falls down dead. Basically, <laughs> great. 
The, uh, it all the, makes sense. Yeah, the team inspects it, and it looks way too dumb to have, like, built a spaceship. So what's going on with it being here, guys? Oh, well, suddenly must have put it there. Uh, suddenly a weird bump grows on its abdomen, <laughs> and a gross tentacle thing bursts out and attacks a tech judge. Uh, it's, okay, so quick question here, Conrad. Yeah. And okay. Is, I, I want you to pull from all of your sci-fi movie knowledge. Will do. You start seeing a weird, dead, gross, bloopy alien uh, growing a pustule. What's the first thing that you do? Shoot the pustule. <laughs> I, I get the fuck away from it. No, nah, man. If you get away from it, it's going to start chasing you. You gotta, you gotta be active about that stuff. <laughs> so like, this guy instead puts his like fucking viewfinder straight onto the pustule and yeah. just like looking at it. Listen, like these, some of these guys don't get that advanced training. You know, they don't know that you should always just put a bullet in uh, whenever the big bad guy's lying on the ground. Just shoot him in the back once. Fuck yeah. Whatever. Um, but anyhow. Sure dead. Yeah, seriously. Um, so, Dread goes to help out, and the beast latches on to him and s- hits him in the spine with a weird needle tentacle that takes God. over his, um, his nervous system. Whoa! Uh, gross. He's, he's got a crang on him. Yeah, the, <laughs> that's good. The, <laughs> the alien-controlled Dread starts shooting the tech judges as Dread himself, still able to talk, like begs them to kill him. <laughs> but it's... <laughs> Pretty hardcore. It's pretty rough, and it's no good, too, because he's still Judge Dredd when he's, like, being possessed, you know? Like, you can't stop that. Straight up shoots a dude in cold blood, but yeah. not cold, cold blood, just like regular cold blood. In alien-controlled blood. Uh, so <laughs> uh, Dredd tells the other judges to kill him, but it's no use, and they, get, they all get gunned down. The thing... Uh, possesses dread the sorry the thing possessed dread wanders into the cursed earth under the starborn thing is control that's probably obviously what this guy is back in mega city one everybody's getting worried about the team having disappeared as dread walks to a mutant settlement the mutants see the weird monster attached to him and look on in horror as he blows up their front gates <laughs> just like oh god I throw stuff at him he's like yes <laughs> Dread's like, take me, kill me, just throw whatever you got at me, come on! Um, the mutants, the mutants fight back, like, they just throw their junk at him as Dread uh, cheers them on and warns them that he's firing back, like, yeah, keep shooting, keep throwing stuff at me, as he shoots at them. Uh, He tells them to, like, keep their heads down. Yeah, like, watch out! (laughs) Eventually, uh, the thing controlling dread crawls out of range and the mutants are able to rebuild their gate that night dread still stands out in front of the settlement of the settlement but eventually the thing just sort of knocks dread over detaches and pierces him with a scorpion like stinger then it sort of waddles off octopus like towards the settlement God, gross octo-brain. Super gross. On the wall, a mutant looks for his buddy Fang, but Fang's already been killed by the Fang! Oh, God, you shouldn't have fallen asleep, dog. That's the whole Mm -hmm. point of watch, dude. Then it kills this other guy, and the Thing squelches through the camp, stabbing people with its scorpion thing, uh, (laughs) spiker as it goes. Definitely not what you think it is, right? Bad times. Impregnating people. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, we, this story isn't done yet. <laughs> Outside, Dread wakes up and runs into the settlement, like shooting into the air, like, wake up! You got a thing inside the base! <laughs> he enters a settlement, and the, as he does, the thing sees him, basically, and takes control of a mutant called the Goon! Which, I mean, he's not going to be the goon <laughs> I mean, the goon, he's got a big, like, it's either a bat or it's like a, a loaf of baguette bread. But either way, he attacks Dread with it. Uh, the judge hits the thing with an incendiary bullet. And eventually the starborn thing burns up, hissing, crackling, and dying. Hooray! Gross brain down. Yeah, but that's not the end of the story, fucks. Next time, Monster Brood. I'm I'm gonna do the under over on here and say that <clears throat> it was you know injecting people with its goo. Seems pretty likely. High chance of goo injection. That's what I'm gonna say. But we'll find out next week. <laughs> this is pretty good, Judge. It, yeah, man. Uh, he got controlled. He gunned a bunch of his own dudes down, but he's not a bad guy. Because he didn't- 
do it of his own volition. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you can't account for being controlled by crazy space monsters, buddy. I mean, look, according to the weird, what was his name? The bounty hunter guy from last time? Trapper Hag? Yeah, planet's got all sorts of weird rules, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, and speaking of um, more aliens doing monstrous deeds, Fox... Ooh. It's non-thrills, covers, nerf setter, and pop culture robots. Oh. Yeah. So, just running through these progs here. Prog 309. We The cover is the destruction of gambling ship Mississippi 4. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's a good-sized double cover. It's just <clears throat> Bellardinelli drawn spaceships. Yep. In and this one looks like a steamboat. Yeah, steamboat spaceship in the nerve center. Tharg is super hyped for the start of the Thar- of the Starborn Thing story and Prog mm-hmm. three twelve. Letters are mostly about successfully identifying the show Rawhide, which was in a uh, in a previous letter, which I think is a fair like difficult thing to do when there's no internet to just be able to look look up theme songs and shit. <laughs> that's that's pretty true. I mean, you got to be familiar with Rawhide. And that's like an American show from like the sixties or something. I didn't even I mean I wouldn't I guess I shouldn't just assume that they would port it everywhere, but you know. Head him up, move him out, rawhide. Um anyhow. Sorry. Rolling, rolling, rolling that one. Um anyhow. Keep them doggies rolling. Rawhide. And so um a reader wants to know why Judge Anderson wears high heels and buddy the answer is the patriarchy. Mid prog it's <laughs> It's he just wants to look classy while, you know, taking out the law. You know, hashtag women can be whatever. Hashtag that goes back to the patriarchy, too. Mid-Frog, it's mega sounds. It looks Everything. like... Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty true. Mid-Frog, it's the mega sounds. It looks like the lead singer of the band, the Polecats, visited the Nerve Center and took some pictures with Tharg. Uh, the Polecats are a English rockabilly band, and they sound exactly like you'd assume they sound like... <laughs> <laughs> Which is like kind of a rockabilly thing, and then kind of an English accent. This thing—that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, the singer, he's got Tim, sweet hair. yeah, he's a prog oneer also, and he enjoyed D- Bellardinelli's Dan Dare. Okay, buddy. Um, there's yeah, also right. there's also a quarter page short story explaining the cover. Basically, a losing gambler decides to destroy a spaceship car- c- casino. Which I mean, I that'll settle your debts, right? I don't think it will actually, but uh, <laughs> I think that'll actually. Put a bounty on your face. Yeah. Thrill, uh, uh, Prague 310, kill me, it's your only hope. As pretty as, sweet. Yeah, Scary Dress, the Starborn thing in action. This is a pretty iconic Dread cover. There'll be like parodies of this um, in years to come. Oh, in cool. In the Nerve Center, video game Tharg warns us of a yeah. coming price increase. And letters oh. ask about Ben 90, if Dread has gone soft, and what Zarjaz means. Oh, and when a nemesis will return. Soon. Mid- Not soon enough. I mean, yeah, it's a while yet. Soon, oh, sorry, but oh my gosh. Uh, Mid Prague, there's a page of Dread fan art, and there is some some tracing here. I'm not going to lie. I do like um, the Law of Mega City 1 1 and uh, John McRae's Judge Toya, who was a pop star at the time. Oh, Anyhow, right. okay. Yeah. I was going to ask about that because I liked it. Yeah, it's good. Uh, there's also an action video page here with the Raiders of the Lost Ark Atari game, the uh, the Atari 5600, and a bunch of uh, star-based games, Star Raider, Star Voyager, Star Master. And there's also high scores for Defender and Superman. Uh, the... It's it, it gives a time of uh, defeating the uh, f- the Atari Superman game as fifty four seconds, which is not far off the world record of fifty one seconds. Though Holy they crap. they don't say if like the fifty four seconds completes all the optional missions within the Atari Superman game. Anyhow, yeah, I don't I don't know any of these that they mentioned: Star Raider, Star Voyager, or Star Master. I feel like these are just a lot of, of these. A lot of blippin' and bloopin' early 80s video games. <laughs> blippin' and bloopin'. Yes. It's, as, it's pretty accurate. Yeah, as the story ends, we get a nice pinup of the players of Fortress of Fortress Europa with, like, rogue, guys from the various sectors, the roadrunners, and some dead-ass norts by Cam Man, Kennedy. Very road nice. are so awesome. I gotta agree. Prog 311, another double-sized feature scan by Ballard and Alley, this time a big tidal wave taking out a futuristic city. 
title yeah, terror yeah. on Torquan. <laughs> it's not great for the Knights. It's not great for people of Earth, too, as the prog now costs 20 cents, 20 pence an issue. Boo! It's also it's like they think we're made out of money for this newspaper crap. <laughs> Seriously, it's also gone up 102 groats on Venus, which is actually probably in response to the fact that there's a lot of letters saying, like, like the price goes up in England, but it never goes up on the other planets. Um, so, well, I mean, God. So, um, because there's a, there's a standard out in the universe, you know? Yeah, it's true. Um, in the nerve center, uh, Yasser Tharg, and that's a reference to the character of Yasser Hughes from the show, from the show Boys in the ba- uh, Boys from the Black stuff, um, yeah, which no we talked about during Skiz. Yeah, it's just sort of a thing. He's got a big mustache, and his like uh, his catchphrase is like "Giz a job," like uh, like you know, "Give me a job," basically. So he's saying like "Giz a prog," you know, um, whatever. I gotcha. So. Um, Tharg apologizes for the price increase, and instead of letters, we get the story from the cover, which is about a dude named Sid making deals with dark powers to build an interstellar city. There's a lot going on here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah, Midprog is a huge two-color. There's a huge two-page color ad for Return of the Jedi toys, which is pretty awesome. They hey just, man, I'm all about that. They just show a kid with an armful of Return of the Jedi toys running out of this, running out of the theater door, like, yeah, I'm a kid. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm doing all the stuff right now. I'm going home to play my Atari Star Wars game. I've got all the action figures, and I just saw Return of the Jedi. This is my game. best. Best life. Oh, yes, so, Prog 312. Ay, 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 senor Slade, he is no more. Oh, God. Hoagie and Stogie visit Sam's grave as a new Robo Hunter story begins. And I didn't know that Stogie's coat was white. I learned this today. A lot, or Hoagie's is, yeah. There's a lot of weird yeah, color variations within these guys. Yeah. Uh, this is also the official sixth birthday of 2000 AD because it's a because epi- it's a prog divisible by 52. The actual one was a couple weeks ago in late February. Um, yeah, happy birthday for real this time. Yeah, the Tharg, the world's greatest alien editor, welcomes us <laughs> and awards a Quiltro Thargo to a humble dude. And reader Simon Jones has read since Prog One and gotten his whole family hooked. Oh. His whole family? Yeah, I guess so. Also, Nancy Clifton has a nice picture of a dude dreaming of reading 2000 AD as his boss looks on angrily. The price of thrill power is starvation. Well, I mean, like, I would be pissed off, too, if your job was to do, I what, what, look at a clock, a, pad? There's a lot of missing cues in this picture. I'm just trying to be, like, a good guy. Oh, well, it's really well drawn. Yeah. Like, Personally, the shading screen. Yeah. There's also a, a note that Tharg's that uh, sorry that that Sam's gravestone. If you add up the dates, it makes him 67, but it lists his age as 32, and that's because of the time stuff in the first Robo Hunter story where he got de-aged and stuff. Um, hey man, they're, they're basically I, I yeah. Test my physical age before my actual age. Absolutely, yeah. So they're basically just they're explaining it now um, because. Uh, there's no way that they have this gravestone thing and not have an explanation of it as like if they don't have that then there'll be like people being like well the gravestone says he's 62 but he looks so young what's going on with that you know like his name is the meltdown man but i've never seen him turn melty yeah they're definitely trying to head off letters they are will not be successful let me just tell you that oh (laughs) Towards the end of the prog, there's a mighty micro page with pixel drawings of both Tharg and Dread, review for, reviews for computer programs like Penetrator, Munchies, and Schizoids, and a book of computer space games, plus new computers fr- from the BBC. Hooray, um, and you can uh, make your own scrolling Dread. Yeah, it's real. It's like a, like a five-line program this time, real unambitious. We end... <laughs> With a sixth anniversary pinup by Ian Gibson of a, a cake being presented to Tharg with all the Robo creator droids all over the place. Uh, the front row is Ascara, uh, Mick McMahon, Tom Frame, and Richard Burton. The back row is John Wagner, Pat Mills, and Alan Grant. Shout out to Willie Russell from the 1977 to 2080 Facebook group for helping me identify Alan Grant in there. Oh, awesome. Yeah, just crowdsource it a little bit just to figure things out. Anyhow, (laughs) 
speaking of uh, ends of the era and dead ass Norts, we go to <laughs> Thrill Four Rogue Trooper. Yeah, yeah, just dead ass Norts. That's right. Script about Jerry Finley Day, art about Cam Kennedy, and Brett Ewan's letter about Bill Nuttall and Peter Knight. So, okay, Fort Nero, we're getting to the end here. Rogue, now reequipped, makes camp in the chem swat, in the chem swamp of Fortress Naropa. As we reach the end of the story, yeah, so he's got an army of rogue runners, and they're all camping out as Nort ships make their way to the chem clowns. Yeah, they drop giant pill-shaped landing crafts, the rogues, and the robes ride out to meet them, expecting their spiky bodies to carry the day. But instead, they just get ripped apart by giant bipedal robots. Robots called am- called amucks! Oh no! They're <laughs> running amuck. They're beating... They're yeah. In the background of one of them, they're beating... Uh, a robe with its own arm. They're definitely just ripping the hell out of these robe runners. Um, it looks bad, and even Ro- uh, Rob S. Pierre and Roger are destroyed. Things look bad for Rogue. He's down to his last mag, when suddenly, from behind them, it's the Franks! Oh, snap, and they just, like, shoot some bros, but that's not all. Yeah, they fall upon the Norts and quickly realize that their bicorn hats make them easy targets and ditch them. The ro- the ro- the Roms show up as well. They're getting they're uh, through getting their hair styled. Now it's time to fight. Could the crazies have seen the light? Yeah, the, probably. Probably, yeah. The uh, the Limeys also arrive, ditching their holiday gear, as do the scan ladies with their lazookas. The scans, by the way, never really had to change anything. They just sort of had to have other people not react to the fact that they're like uh, se- sexy girl ladies. soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. How, <laughs> um, how horrible. Seriously. Um, the uh, so the. The people of Fort Nero seem to be more military-minded as the Nord Assault is defeated. The and man, it's just like the legs of some of these robots left. Seriously. The remaining Nord Commander General Wagner calls for a frontal assault, but it's easily repelled by the, new, by the newly reunited Fortress Europa. Curse you, rogue trooper! And, like, even as a note, when he loses... Mm-hmm. Like, whatever. One of the general's aides is like, man, he's looking close to breaking down because, note, this will be important later. Indeed. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, so, man, then this bad yeah, so, shit happens. Well, yeah, no, sorry. Then a, a few days later, Rogue is ready to head out and learns that the Rogue Runners have been repaired, and now they're all biker bots with bandanas and gorilla hangers. It's a new they're, day, baby. <laughs> dude, it's pretty great, man. They're just like, we're just coming through to say hi, but we got to go because these hogs must ride. <laughs> Rogue heads out through the shield walls. He plans to take down General Wagner just for old time's sake, but sees it being But he sees it being pulled away in a straitjacket. Blue warriors have driven him mad. Well, I guess I'll just let him live in madness instead of kindly murdering him so that he doesn't live out the rest of his days in like this crazy ass state. Hey man, you know, you don't mercy kill your your out al- your 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 enemies. That's allies only, dude. I'm just saying that his reasoning is he's already uh, being punished. No reason to kill him. Uh, I'm not going to kill a guy who's gone crazy. It's like, yeah, that's a I mean, maybe he doesn't want to live in a straitjacket the rest of his life. Hey, that's up for the Nords to deal with, man. I'm, it's not my job. That's fair. Um, I wonder if they've got good health care. I mean, you know, they'll make you a cyborg or something. They help the Trader General, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, why not? So, Rogue and the Chips are out in the wilderness, far from Fort Nero, as the Chips complain about not having any action in the last story, because they were all, <laughs> you know, shared around and stuff the whole time. Man, some of them liked that. Yeah, they were they were there to, to get R and R. By the way, um, yeah. suddenly there's a radar ping. It's a missile. Oh, this is awesome. Yeah, it's it's a super slow missile, but it's clearly locked on to Rogue. As Rogue runs, the missile speeds up, speeds up. It's a heart seeking missile, and it's homing <laughs> in on Rogue's heart, uh, pulse rate. So what do you do? You ditch your stuff and yeah. keep on running. Yeah, so you could run faster, but then it turns out the missile starts tracking the chips instead, so a super disheveled rogue grabs his stuff <laughs> and falls into an abyss. Gotta grab the uh, 
walls of this thing, and oh man, luckily that just fucked with this rocket really yeah. bad. Well, because the missile follows him into the abyss, but then gets like jammed into some rocks, basically. It allows Rogue to climb down and check its tracking thing to see that it's tracking both him and all the chips, and then breaks it through free to travel down to the bottom of the hole and explode. Hooray! I didn't die from a missile designed specifically to murder me. Hey, that's more than most of us can say. I'll say that much. Um, <laughs> another speak for yourself. Whoa! Fox died to a missile. Um, <laughs> another another craft appears on the horizon. It's the ship of our old buddies, brass and bland war profiteers and hat wearers. Super great bowler hats. Super yeah. great style. Definitely. They apparently knew about this missile and are looking to see if it got if there was any uh, salvage left if Rogue has been killed. But they got to move out because there's another GI that's about to go up for sale. And, and man, oh man, we've got to go to, I guess, the Junker's Paradise. Yeah. Rogue, apparently able to hear this conversation inside the uh, Brass and Bland ship, um, <laughs> decides to follow them. It's pretty great. He yeah. needs to go to this, like, cool... A meetup of all these salvage people Definitely. who are all weird aliens with cool uh, different armor and stuff like that. It's neat. Yeah, at the yeah, so it's at the auction. Um, Brass and Bland are sort of going through all these different like things coming out. There's a couple fun lots, like a bunch of like never worn chem suits, talking <laughs> metals, just all the general junk that you sort of pick up around a futuristic battlefield. Um, talking metals. Yeah, like, hey guys, I'm a, I'm a metal. Um, but it turns <laughs> out they bring out the lot, and it's a genetic infantryman officer's handgun in awesome. working order with a biochip. Oh, marked with an M. Yeah, betting is bidding is fierce until someone bids a single seal burster. It's rogue. He's, yeah. In other words, uh, I'm holding you all hostage. Yeah, he sort of does the Return of the Jedi thing, where he's holding a thermal detonator. Um, but he's, yeah, he says, I'll take this gun, and uh, screw you guys, I'm out. And then they're just like, alright, well, I guess uh, one auction droid in need of repair. Yeah, I should say that he was, uh, he, he Return of the Jedi to this particular conversation. Um, anyhow... <laughs> Anyhow, they uh, es- they escape, and eventually they're out in the wilderness, and the chips check out the weapon. Hey, does it talk? You bet it does. I'm Major Magnum, and from now on, you take orders from me. <laughs> I love how all of these chips are fucking so aptly named. That's right. Next time, Death on Microchip Mountain. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm real. I, I, you know, major. Yeah, again, listen. Every every genetic infantry men is not just named for what they do in life, but also <laughs> for how they will die and what will happen to them afterwards. It's 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 for you know they they got prophecies, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> the the prophecy of the blue. Yeah, I mean, when they make them, you get a prophecy comes with. It's like it's like when you crack open the pod that has the GI in, and it's also got like a fortune cookie um, message <laughs> that like tells you what to name them because what, what what their life will be. Okay, you know? if this if if that were one hundred percent true, I would love this comic so much more. Just adding like this nice little fantasy sci-fi element of just some psychic auger of a. <laughs> baby capsule sadly not quite true anyhow <laughs> oh. yeah you know this always lets down your dreams and speaking of uh, your dreams dying fox oh it's no, no thrill, no. thrill five robo hunter oh. hey man it's gonna happen like, yeah is it I yeah. mean he's telling the story I mean I'll sure. let you you say it but yeah. Script robot Alan Grant and John Wagner's Grant Grover. Art robot Ian Gibson. Lego robot Steve Potter. Yeah, so Stam- Sam Slade flatlines at a Brit-sit hospital, and the doctors agree he's dead. It's super sad. And they... They, they switch like him off? Good, yeah, no, like all good life-saving medical equipment, there's just a master on us. <laughs> don't hit, don't press that switch, dude. That's an important switch. Like if I'm, if like I'm on, if I'm on life support, don't press that button, dude. <laughs> like, seriously. There just shouldn't be that button, right? <laughs> You'd think so. But, um, so we, we, 
We cut back a few days ago, and Sam is indeed doing the narration for this story from beyond the grave. Um, in, in the Tower of London, a squad of those goddamn teeny mechs from the Day of the Droid story roll out and begin an assault on the Tower of London. They just chew through the friggin' Beefeaters guard in the place. It's a chew, beef reference, whatever. Um, they avoid security systems and make and then make off with the crown jewels. Oh, no, but jewels! Oh, man, you can't just go stealing crown jewels, I Those guess. Those are the most important I mean, jewels, did. man. Yeah, so <laughs> there's... There's a fun moment where where uh, where so so sorry so St- Sam is watching the news on TV. There's a pretty good moment where Stogie says that Sam is the jewel in in, in his personal crown, the greatest of all Robo Hunters and stuff. And it's just like, oh, Stogie likes Sam. I like that. But um, he did give Stogie mouth to mouth, and then brought, brought him back to life. Stuff. Yeah. Um. So Sam's looking at the perps though, and he recognizes them, the TD Max. It's like, oh, holy Joe Smith, not these dudes again. <laughs> exactly. Next time, Target, Slade, Sam, you'll see. What do you think the C stands for? Um, I believe it stands for see you next week. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think it stands for Chrysler. <laughs> oh, man. So this is going to be a big RoboHunter story. I, I, another kind of long one. Um... I will say that Sam does actually die, but I also that, uh, you know, death's not the setback it used to be in the olden days. It doesn't screw up your career like it used to. Anyhow. What? <laughs> You'll see. Now, that's exactly what grew up anyone's career. You definitely think so, yeah. But hey, speaking of... like, I guess, like, workplace harassment. I mean, but Sam does a lot of that, so it apparently hasn't gotten <laughs> up, caught up to him yet, you know? Um... Stogie's got to file those claims. Yeah, and speaking of death not being the end, it's Thrill Six Time Twisters. Oh man, some some cool time twisters this week. Uh, first off, we've got Einstein, script robot Alan Moore, letting um, script robot Alan Moore, art robot John Higgins, letting robot Peter Knight. It's a Earth sixty five nineteen, and it's super boring because everybody's dead. Great. I guess we're just going to buy this planet. Yeah. At least until some aliens show up and they're sort of the standard, like, boorish tourist aliens that Alan Moore writes about sometimes. Um, and they're, they're going to build a zoo based on all the cool dudes from Earth's history on the uh, remains of the planet Earth. Sure, why not? Yeah. They get it all done pretty quickly, and for a LARF, they decide to resurrect a pair of Albert Einsteins and put them in a room together just to see what happens. It's like this study I read about at a, at a mental institution where they took all the guys who thought they were God and put them all in one room. And really? Yeah. The end result was that, like, one of the guys is basically like, hey, like, you know, we're, like, in this mental institution for, like, help with our mental illnesses. You guys shouldn't be jerks like this, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, but anyhow, what does happen is that the Einsteins quickly realize that, qu- quickly realize what's going on. Like, the blue skin the aliens created them with is the tip-off. <laughs> They're basically like... <laughs> Well, we're probably both clones of Einstein. We're probably we probably been cloned by aliens, and those aliens probably have us in some kind of zoo. So let's escape. Basically. So so let's do what Einsteins do, by yeah, the way, and make a giant explosion. That's right. They escape. They uh they quickly escape and then liberate the enclosure nearby of all of great of history's greatest warmonder warmongers, including Hitler, which is a rough time for for Einstein, especially. Uh, Anyhow, soon, they're reconstructing weapons and blowing each other up. The aliens escape, and Earth quickly goes back to its usual cycle of murder and terribleness. But hey, uh, now everybody's blue, so that's not dull. (laughs) Yeah, you know, interesting. And then people are blowing each other up. That's, like, good television. The only time humanity will find peace is when all of humanity is dead. Bam, bam, bam! Wow. Thanks, Alan Moore. This is also a... I don't. I forget if Alan Moore actually wrote this part, but there's a big part in uh, in Marvel Man or Miracle Man or whatever, um, where they sort of start bringing back a bunch of like uh, people from history. And I, there's a big part where like Einstein's are talking about complete continuing research and things. It's very it's a very interesting uh, part of that story. Huh. Anyhow, 
We move now to Chrono Cops! Oh man, my uh, favorite thing in like <laughs> the most sci-fi genre. So script robot Alan Moore, art robot Dave Gibbons, letting robot DC Gibbons. Uh, so, oh man, Chrono Cops, buddy. This story is largely regarded as one of the best future shocks or time twisters or whatever else ever. Um, I'd agree with that, and I really love the art. Yeah, there's an article you can actually find an like a cup like there's one article I found online that's like a a multi-page like someone's like dissertation that's just a panel by panel breakdown of this goddamn uh, uh, uh story. It's awesome. Goddamn. Um also this is sadly basically Dave Gibbons' last work on the Prague. Um What? He'll be back. So I mean good. It's been, it's been, he, he hasn't been here for a long time, actually, for yeah. maybe a year or something. Um, and he'll be back a little bit, but mostly it's for multi-artist things. Like when there's a, like a Tharg's head revisited in like Prague, fit, Prague 500, and he does something mm. else for the 25th anniversary. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, his art is really good. That's why he's been poached by DC and is going to America to like draw Superman oh, and shit, you know? Shit. Um, yeah, so. Basically, this one's super amazing, and I'm really glad to sort of, you know, mention this here, just to sort of say goodbye to Dave Gibbons, who's been with us since the start. You know, he drew uh, Harlem Heroes at the very beginning, and then did our favorite run of Dan Dare, and all that stuff, you know? Battle action place that never forget. Yeah, and you know, you can tell that he just needs the money, because that's why he always does the lettering for his own stuff to get that second paycheck. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, but so, Chrono Cops, man, it's kind of like Dragnet. You know, it's got a, a character, Joe Saturday, who's very Jack Webb looking, who was Joe yeah. Friday on Dragnet. Um, and they're sort of enforcing time law. He's enforcing time law with his partner, Ed Thursday. We see them spend the day sort of arresting people and just generally doing time cop stuff. But it's awesome because it keeps coming back to the same couple panels where, like, Saturday and Tuesday talk to future and past versions of themselves. They leave and come back from missions. And then things get crazier as, as like, they just pile on top of each other. A guy from the from the from from their future says that Thursday's career is in trouble. And that plays out as we see them try to time nap a time criminal while they're still a baby, but they get the wrong kid. Um, and then we just, yeah, again, like, you know, like the version of them, like in nuns turns out to have been in the background from a panel from the very start of the comic and stuff. Yeah. It's really great. Um, um, one thing to note is that Joe Saturday, other mm -hmm. than picking up a child, basically commits no actions. He's very much a, he very much just kind of stands there, but that's enough sometimes. <laughs> so. In the end, um, Thursday goes time crazy, time mad, tries to marry his own grandmother, which is what you do when you're time mad, uh, but Saturday arrests him, and then he marries Thursday's grandma himself. So oh, man. Now Saturday is worried that uh, Thursday, his own grandson, will try to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> which, which loops back in on itself, right? Yeah. It's great, man. Um, you know, this, it really adds things in as you start to see that, like, oh, but, like, you know, the, this character from the this part, you know, this version of them from the end of the story is in the background of this other panel and stuff. Mm. Um, everyone, you know, there's sections where there's everywhere all the characters at once or all the versions of them are there at one point or another. It's really great. It's really funny and amazing. It's a great just use of time travel in a time travel story. And it's a super classic, like, 2080 story, basically. And it's very tongue-in-cheek. I, I love the way it's written. It's, uh, like, even when they're just warning each other, if they don't do anything that might prevent those things from happening. No, it's, it's just, just sort like of an... Yeah, it, it, it happens, so be, be prepared for it, you know? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But then when did it ever not happen if they were always meeting each other to always tell each other? Exactly. It's, it, very, it, it's very fun. Yeah, it very much. this is a very much a version where everything's already happened, as you kind of see as you look deeper and deeper into the backgrounds of things and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Exactly. Yeah. So next up, it's uh, Joywriters, script robot Alan Hebden, letting ro or uh, script robot Alan Hebden, art robot Jesus Redondo, letting robot Steve Potter. All man time cops. Yeah, so this is this is a more action-packed story. Bunch of punks from the future fly around 1980s America, messing with a police officer as the space-time police fly after them, fixing the problems, then hitting everybody with the amnesia rays. <laughs> just uh, just a, as a disclosure, which will be reinforced by the end of this, uh -huh. uh, don't don't fuck with the American police. <laughs> <laughs> 
So when the ray doesn't quite work right on the on a on, on a cop the first time, he pulls out an M sixteen and shoots the kid. <laughs> shoots at the Which, kids. No, no police officer should just have that easy access to an M sixteen. I mean, you. I'm Buddy, pretty yeah. sure. I'm pretty sure they do. I mean, it was locked in the station or whatever. But um, the time cops, yeah, the time cops arrest these young punks and return to the future without doing any brainwashing because yikes, these primitives are violent. Um, I'd hate to see what happens if a real criminal went back then, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyhow, <laughs> this is just sort of a fun, like, you know, action-y, like, here's a bunch of guys flying around in a hover vehicle, fl- flying after them, teleporting people around, and then brainwashing them afterwards. Good times. That's just so... <laughs> he shoots a hover bike and it explodes. Yeah. So, I'm into it. Yeah, our final story is What a Load of Rubbish! Oh man, kind not time cop, but like time authority, yeah. sort of uh, like I don't know what you would call it, time bureaucrat. Yeah, time bureaucracy. Script robot Alan Grant is Keith Law, art robot Eric Bradbury, letting robot Peter Knight, and uh, here's my song, Fox. I feel a okay. long way from Trafalgar Square in 1999 when the sky is ripped open and the garbage pours like a gaping wound, pelting the women and children who run. Run into the arms of Ministry of Health Inspect- Investigator P.P. Pickering. So, <laughs> <laughs> bullet the blue sky, buddy. Um, where it's found out that some jerks in the future just tossing all their trash, including corpses, apparently, into the past. I guess, hey, why not? And right into key uh, tourist destinations as well. Pickering uses an experimental time umbrella to travel to 2343, where everybody's just super wasteful and just, like, throwing garbage over their shoulders right into his face and stuff. At the dump, there's just a big conveyor belt going into a time portal! (laughs) Pickering presents a restriction order to halt this practice, but they're like, man, we don't care about, like, 1999 laws, it's 2343! He's like, well, what do you're just throwing all this garbage on us, man. What if somebody from the future did this shit to you? Yeah, Pickering gets real heated, um, and the everybody else kind of uh, gathers around him. Oh, and it turns out that the corpse that was sent back in time was P.P. Pickering! Oh, be-be-be! The future... Yeah, that's right, Fox. The future's full of murderous garbage people are just gonna dump their shit on us forever! Be-be-be! <laughs> there was... Uh, wasn't this, like, a Futurama episode it's like all this garbage came back well that was shot into space yeah that was through space where it came back yeah so they just shot their garbage into space again yeah well like i don't understand why they don't just shoot these things to the sun in the first place in both those stories and the movie soldier also where kurt russell gets tossed on a garbage planet why do they need to save why does the garbage need to be in a place why can't you just burn it up on the sun the sun's there to burn (laughs) shit up whatever and in fact like aside from like really intense amounts of specific e- amounts of energy, like nothing's gonna. It's just gonna burn up. Yeah, it's just gonna disintegrate. There's nothing that that giant furnace won't burn. Right. So like, why don't you just toss it? Why you gotta throw it in a, in a place where it's gonna exist? Whatever. Anyhow. Anyhow. That's Maybe it for story. Just hoping for recycling technology. Oh, <laughs> uh, we, we, we'll, we'll force them to figure out recycling in the past. That's how it goes. All right. <laughs> so with that, Fox, we finished our our thrills for Progs. Uh, oh my God! Four. We finished our thrills for Progs three hundred nine to three twelve. If you want to read along with us this month, you'll find the comics we're covering in Judge Dredd: The Complete The Complete Case Files Six. Rogue Trooper Tales of New Earth 1, Robo Hunter the Droid, the Droid Files 2, the complete Skiz graphic, and the complete Skiz graphic novel, Einstein and Chrono Cops are collected in the complete Alan Moore Future Shocks. Nice. But the question remains, what were your top and bottom thrills for this month? 309 to 312? Oh, bro, if my top fucking pick isn't Skiz, then what can it truly be? Of course, it's Skiz. Skiz is great. I'm so excited for Skiz. I'm so excited to see where it goes. Like, I want to see how bad and evil this guy is. Like, Skiz is just, like, he's just this harmless, adorable, weird-looking creature. Just want to imagine him as an adorable rat, because that's so far what he's been. It's more of a kangaroo, uh, a I'd say. Monster. Yeah, or it's kangaroo. You know, big feet, big tail. Yeah. Um, 
I, I really like uh, uh, Roxy in a big way. Because um, I think, like, you know, your supporting cast to this character is, like, the most important part. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy's completely stranded without any of the materials he needs to get back home. Right. Like, all the things that his computer told him. So, like, your complete reliance is on your secondary characters. And so far, that's been pretty fucking strong. Nice. So, yeah. Just really enjoying it. As far as bottom, pro, it's thrill suckers. That shit can just get out of here. <laughs> get the fuck out of this comic. Never come back. I'm so tired of thrill suckers, Conrad. That's fair. I mean, hey, uh, man, they just... suck the thrills out of things, man. This like it's one of those things where it's actually true. So whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, it literally sucked the thrills out of my body after reading skiz exactly awesome and then i had to read that shit anyway hey Connor, what was your top and bottom <laughs> oh man for bottom i gotta agree with you tharg the mighty i've had enough of tharg the mighty <laughs> get out of here <laughs> just i'm ready for there to be something else doing taking up these spots um for my top i'm gonna i'm gonna say time twisters i really liked him this week um, oh yeah Chrono Cops is real good. Einstein, those Einsteins are real funny. I really liked the um, I really liked the sending the guy back the uh, the like a uh, 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 real angry government guy getting beaten up by by futuristic slobs. I thought that was pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> it had a whole idiocracy feel to it. Exactly. Yeah, and then like Joyrider is just some fun redondo action. It's all good stuff. Um, and I really want to give a give a tops to uh, to Chrono Cops just because that's a real classic story. Um, and it's beautiful. So really like is a signpost for me for just whatever that we're in sort of this real good time. But yeah, yay. All right, so that's it. I hope you everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. <gasps> Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter. We're at spacespinner2k. For everything else, just look up spacespinner2000, and we should be there. And come back next time as we twist even more time. Major Magnum is in command. Uh, Dread fights the Starborn thing and runs afoul of the stupid gun. Roxy and Skiz tangle with the government. I've got my pride. And uh, Sam Slate dies. For real. (laughs) This time. (laughs) Until then, I'm Conrad Eastbox, and we... Our Space Spinner 2000 Splendid Birthday!